0: A Moment of Power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Matthew chapter 7, we'll start at verse 1, we'll read all the way down to verse 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, I'll be reading from the NIV, follow along in your favorite version, follow along in your favorite version. On our worship leader, Reverend Carter, as well this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reverend Carter is faithful, y'all.
1: She's humble and she's
0: faithful. Amen. Listen at these words it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Verse 2 For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it, be, it will be measured. To you, Jesus asked the question in verse three: Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? The church say, Why? Why? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Verse five: You hypocrites! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw or cast your pearls before swine or do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 12, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I want to take my my subject this morning from verses 1 and 2. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judging with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I want to use as a subject this morning the prerogative of the disciples the prerogatives of the disciples. Let's pray. God, we just thank you once again for the opportunity to stand behind this sacred podium and to minister your word to your people. God, I thank you for just the privilege to be used by you. God, I don't take this responsibility or or this assignment lightly. So God, as I stand here today, I pray that you would Use me, God. May your people will see all of you and none of me. May they hear all of you and hear none of Johnny. Because I realize it's not about me. It's simply all about you. And so, God, anoint me afresh as I stand to declare your word. I pray that you would give me a fresh anointing. Help me to articulate what you have given me to share. I pray that you would speak to me and speak through me, God. And I pray that in the midst of it all, your people will be edified. And most of all, you will be glorified. God, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that is not saved today, I pray that the end result will be them receiving the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you be glorified in everything we say and do, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The prerogatives of the disciples. Let me take it out of memory lane just for a minute. Everybody's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just let me live? I don't need permission to make my own decisions. That's my ferocity. Those were the words of Mr. Bobby Bobby Brown in 1998. It speaks to the matter of everybody always criticizing him and being in his business and trying to tell him what to do. Why don't they just let me live? Have you ever felt that way? Why she all up in my business? Beloved, one of the most pervasive arguments against the church today or against Christians today is that we are judgmental or or always imposing our views on others. That's one of the arguments in the church today. One of the uh, most consistent arguments, if you will. And most of the time, y'all, the criticism, it comes in response to those of us who speak out against behaviors and lifestyles that maybe are, are contradictory to what God considers or would consider as sin. We live in a society now where everybody does what is right in his or her own eyes. That everybody should decide for him or herself what is right or wrong. In other words, the line has been blurred. The standards have been decreased instead of maintained or increased. And those of us who dare speak out against evil are simply labeled as religious fanatics, Jesus freaks. But then, as a result of that, all Christians are unfairly labeled as judgmental. It could be one, but the label. It can be one doing the judgment, but all of them wear the linen. It seems like a very fine line to walk. And then the question becomes, should we just mind our business and leave one, everyone else's alone? I, I want to suggest to you this morning that the way we treat others is a very consequential matter. And I'd also like to suggest that when we become judgmental, we, we sidestep treating people like Jesus Christ would. The question then becomes, what would Jesus do? Y'all used to wear those bracelets that said WWJD. What would Jesus do in situations like, in like, like these? A few things, Jesus would most likely show love in every situation. Nine times out of ten, Jesus would show love in every situation. So maybe maybe the presence of judgment means an absence of love. It it seems kind of hard to love somebody and judge them at the same time. I know we have this thing we used to call tough love. But there's a fine line between love and judging somebody. But secondly, Jesus in these situations, Jesus would most likely be helpful. Uh, sometimes we, 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 when we get judgmental, we create a, a line that says, I'm better than or I'm smarter than or I'm more righteous than, than the person who, who's trying to get help. Right. That's what judgment results in. But then thirdly, Jesus would most likely remain humble in every situation. I'd like to suggest that judgment can be a place of arrogance for us. I'm not accusing anybody of being judgmental. I'm using us and we as a, an all-inclusive term. Judgment may be more about arrogance than humility. Again, arrogance will say, I'm better than you. I know more than you. I'm superior to you. So, yeah, I have a right to judge you. So, Jesus would love us. He would would help us. He would remain humble. But then lastly, Jesus would, would, would turn that situation into an opportunity to minister or evangelize you instead of judge you. Uh, Consider all the people in the Bible that Jesus encountered. They had issues. Or they had sick relatives. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus, instead of judging, instead of of being judgmental, he he, he, he healed, he ministered, and he delivered as opposed to casting judgment. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, Jesus, people ran to Jesus instead of running from him. Contrarily, people run from people who judge judge them, but they run to people who love them. Think about it. Have you done that before? Do you try to avoid and stay away from people who judge you? In our text today, y'all, Jesus Jesus presents the argument that judgment is a terrible approach. It's a terrible personal approach, but it's also a terrible strategy. For the church to, to bargain in, if you will. And so here we are. Jesus, he has, he has reached the end of his sermon on the side of the mountain. He's he's reached the climax. He's ready to wrap things up. But Jesus, he won't leave until he has stressed the importance about the conduct of his disciples or those who are later following him. And as we've learned so far, Jesus has He's already set the standard for achieving greater righteousness by exceeding that of the Pharisees. But if we look at the text of today, Jesus, he raises the standard even higher. Amen. Chapter 5, Jesus goes home to point that righteousness, to pursue righteousness means to turn away from our natural sinful desires, Amen. lean on Jesus Christ and his perfect and righteous ways. We know that out of Jesus' love and mercy He has already fulfilled the law. We will we be unable to obey the law and live in righteousness so Jesus came and He lived in perfection in our place. We'll talk about this morning in Sunday school. Everything Jesus Christ did on the cross was was for us to have a greater righteousness beyond the law. So we should understand our righteousness began in Christ and it is completed in Christ. Jesus says to them, make sure your righteousness exceeds that of Pharisees. Yeah. As we've studied about the Pharisees, we know that their righteousness was only skin deep. Oh, it, it didn't go any deeper oh, than the suit I'm wearing. They had an external or a formal obedience to the law. Yes, but for us, our righteousness has to exceed the appearance of righteousness. Oh, it has to go beyond uh, just a an adherence to religion, if you will. It had to be more or deeper than an artificial righteousness that the Pharisees had. It has to be it has to be internal, as opposed to external. But Jesus goes deeper here, y'all. He he presents a very interesting argument here. I, I think it's, it's a very good argument Jesus makes. He begins to teach how to live out righteousness, better live out righteousness Watch by, by the way of our conduct or attitudes, attitudes towards other people. But he attaches a prayer life to it as well. Matthew turns to Jesus' instruction on the manner in which persons should carry themselves. And I want to get right into my observations, my point. Uh, if, you, if you really take a look at this passage, Jesus when he talks about judgment, being judgmental, the first thing we ought to understand that as disciples, it is our prerogative to, number one, walk with integrity.
1: Amen.
0: Walk with integrity. Amen. That's the first thing I see in this text. When it comes to this, this greater righteousness that Jesus is preaching about, he wants all of his followers to focus on their own spiritual growth. Amen. But not only that, focus on your relationship with God instead of judging (laughs) others' shortcomings. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus, he's suggesting here that we all have intimately focus on our spiritual growth and relationship with God. To me, that becomes a matter of personal integrity, if you will. It says in verse 1, do not judge, and you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, Luke uses the language in 6, verse Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. This word judge, it means to evaluate or analyze. It, it also refers to uh, this private or judgmental attitudes. Watch this. That tears down other people in order to build up oneself. My Lord, help me, Lord. So, a judgmental attitude, it is in essence a weapon to tear people down. That's the problem right there, y'all. We must, we must, as disciples, as believers, we must stay away from tearing people down in order to build ourselves up. That's what Jesus is getting at right here. We have to be more discerning and less judgmental. Amen. Right. Never want to tear people down. Jesus didn't tear anybody down. We got to be discerning, y'all, be less judgmental. Jesus, discernment helps us to measure the good and the bad. It helps us to see what is right and choose what is right. It helps us to see what is wrong and to stay away from what is wrong. We can always be more discerning. And we should always pray to God to give us more discernment. But I, I never want to be in a place where I'm tearing people down just trying to get ahead. I, I never want, I don't know, I can't, I can't speak for you, but me personally, I never want to be in a place where i got to tear people down just to get one step ahead or one level higher. Jesus warns the people here, he warns the disciples on the side of this hill to let God be the judge of other people. Reserve judgment for God. Now we still have the opportunity for righteous judgment. Jesus also says in John 7.24, judge with righteous judgment. It's similar to discernment. Righteous judgment is similar to discernment. It is the ability to evaluate and choose what is right and refuse what is wrong. So what Jesus is simply saying here, we must always examine our words. We must always examine our actions. We must examine our situations through a, through a perspective of righteousness. So this is why I say, do not judge becomes a matter of personal integrity because it, it leads to an attitude of condemnation or us condemning people. Let me go further. When we when we get to a place of judgment over others, y'all, it, it turns into self-righteousness. It turns into self-righteous condemnation of other people. God is the only one who has the right and the prerogative to pass that kind of judgment. Oh, yeah. All judgment belongs to God. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't
0: have a heaven or a hell to put you in. Amen. And I, I want to I assume you don't have a heaven or a hell to put me But I, I will leave that to God because I don't want to undermine God's authority. God has not made me judge and jury. I'm not qualified to be judge and jury. And so, can I suggest none of us have the power, the power to redeem or save anybody? On that same token, If we don't have the power of salvation, we should also avoid trying to condemn people. But Jesus asked the question, why do we do this? It's about our personal integrity. He asked in verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Why? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there is a plank in your own eye. I love it. Jesus goes on to call them hypocrites in verse 5. You hypocrite, okay. Take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the strength from your brother's eye. The question becomes, why are we so quick to judge others when we have our own issues? Yeah. Here's a couple reasons. Perhaps we judge others because of our own sins. I'm committing the same sins you are, but I'm more critical of you doing it than I am of myself. You saw me in line buying some beer,
1: and
0: I saw you in line buying some Hennessy, but I'm more critical of yours than I am
1: of (laughs) mine.
0: We just look each other, we look at each other and give, we, we give the hood head nod. Mm. <laughs> I'm committing the same sins that you are, but I'm more critical of yours, but I'm trying to rationalize mine. I become super critical of you by trying to rationalize what I'm doing. But then super critical turns into hypocritical. Criticizing the speck of sawdust in your eye where there is a plank in mine.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Secondly, maybe we judge people because of insecurity. Mm -hmm. Insecurity. Jealousy, y'all, is a driving force about insecurity. Mm -hmm. Some people really don't like to see others get ahead or have success. Mm -hmm. He don't deserve that position. He don't deserve to be pastor of this church. Mm -hmm. Uh, She don't deserve to be with him. He don't deserve that car, that house, that, that nice job. It becomes a matter of jealousy. This is where tearing people down comes in. Jesus wants us to stay away from that kind of stuff. We, we want to judge other people by our standards. I pray this is alright for y'all this morning. And we want to judge other people by we want to judge people other people by our standards because if we can get them to look like us, act like us, or do like us, then we feel better. If I'm down here. I want you to be down here with me. Thirdly, we judge people because of ignorance. We judge people without really knowing them or knowing what they are about. We, we judge based on what we've heard about them instead of getting to know them for ourselves. Can I be transparent with you all right now? I have literally had people tell me that I am not the person that they heard that I was. I've literally had people tell me, even in church, that, that they misjudged me because of rumors and lies they heard about me. Or or based on other people's insecurities. People would judge you based on what other people are saying about you, yes, whether it's true or not. That—that yes, that is ignorance, y'all, not knowing. We don't know—we don't know enough about. It. So we're based it on what other people say. But I don't know about you. But I'm just—I'm glad that God is the judge and not other people. Yes, I'm glad that God is the final say so, yes. and not some stranger. But lastly, we one more thing: we judge people out of insensitivity. Mm-hmm. Shows a lack of compassion. Mm-hmm. Perfect example: we see people standing at stops out with signs. We turn our nose up at them. You never know what somebody's going through. You never know what they're dealing with, no? We, we, should, we should avoid judging them, but have a heart and extend the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants the disciple to avoid being judgmental. No. At the same time, the disciple must be aware of being hypocritical. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. In other words, Jesus is saying the disciple must check his or her attitude toward other people. I want to suggest to you this morning, taking those right down, hypocrisy discredits discipleship. <laughs> hypocrisy discredits discipleship. Now watch this. It doesn't discredit Jesus, but it shares a bad light on the, on the believer. Yeah. Yeah. Hypocrisy is a bad place for a disciple to be. We never want to be in that place. It, it's, never, it's never good because while I'm judging you, For being jacked up. I'm just as jacked up as you are. Or or, or even more jacked up than you are. Can you use that word? Jacked up. In other words, the plane in my eye is bigger than yours. It's just like the woman accused of adultery. Jesus said, let he without sin cast the first stone. This is one of the reasons so many people have left the church. Because the amount of staggering hypocrisy they encounter amongst those who call themselves disciples. For us, y'all, we have to strive to love people the same way Jesus did. Jesus tells us to examine our motives and conduct instead of judging others. So, number one, we must walk with integrity with regard to our attitudes towards others. That's what Jesus did. But number two, if I can press on, we, we, it is the prerogative of the disciple to remain dependent on God. Yes. we got to stay dependent on God. Yes. Yes. Three prerogatives I want to leave with you today.
1: One of the ways we stay
0: dependent on God is to stay covered in prayer. That's what Jesus points to in verse 7 and 8. He says, Ask it and it will be given to you. Seeking, you will find. Knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. For the one, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus says, number one, you got to walk with integrity. But number two, you got to stay dependent on God. In other words, you need to stay in prayer. I love how Jesus, y'all. He's correcting their attitudes about uh, their attitudes about giving. They're correcting them about their attitudes for people. He goes from that to giving them a word of encouragement. Mm-hmm. Beloved, the prerogative must be never stop praying. Yeah. Yeah. Never stop praying. Yeah. Nate, you want to make prayer your favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. That was in the devotion I sent out the other day. Never stop right. praying. Yeah. Jesus says to keep on asking, yeah. keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. We have to be of the mindset that that God is only a prayer away at all times. Notice the verbs in the scripture. It is it is a present tense. He says, uh, "Ask, seek, knock." That's present tense, y'all, which means to me it is an ongoing activity. Paul says, "Never cease praying." Asking, seeking, knocking. It also, it also indicates to us the importance of a persistent and consistent prayer life. That's big, y'all, because only through prayer can we stay in contact with God. Only through prayer can we know what God wants us to do. Only through prayer can we draw strength through God to or from God to help us in all areas of our lives. And this is good because Jesus makes a guarantee guarantee here that God will answer our prayers if we remain persistent. If we keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, Jesus guarantees that God will answer. He will respond. It says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love Jeremiah 29 and 13. God told the prophet Jeremiah, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus used the word, he says, keep. There's an indication that God may not answer immediately, but the encouragement is to don't, to not give up. That's the encouragement. Don't give up, don't stop praying sometimes we must keep on knocking and wait for God to answer. we got to continue to trust God and stay in prayer. But Jesus promises that we will receive, find, or have that door open to us, y'all. Keep pursuing God. That's the prerogative of the disciple. Don't give up after a few tries and think that God is not hearing you. But the mandate is to stay faithful, stay focused, and keep at it. Jesus assures us that we will be rewarded in some kind of way. Uh, Don't don't stop knocking, even when the door don't seem like it's going to open. Keep on knocking. Keep keep on praying. But stay patient. Stay faithful. Jesus uses a parable here. He says in verse 9, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or or if he asks for a fish, will give him a stake? If you then... Uh, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, Jesus is saying God is not selfish or stingy. In other words, we don't have to beg Him when we go go to Him with our request. We should know that God is a loving Father who understands us, He cares about us, He comforts us, and He is willing to give good. To those who ask him. This is what Paul says in Philippians 4 to present your request to God. For the King James, let the request be made known unto God. And then he goes on, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall I keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We must be com- committed to prayer. Yes. yes. Amen. Yes. We gotta be committed to prayer, though. But it seems like Jesus and Paul, they both agree that there has to be an expectation attached to our prayer. If you read Jesus' word, and you look at Paul's words, it seems like they are in agreement but it's, that it's not just a prayer, but it is an expectation that has to be attached to it. Uh, don't just submit prayers if it's just a routine thing, but have an Expectation that God will come through for you. Are you hearing me this morning? So that means when I ask, that means I should expect to receive. You cannot have an expectation to God to answer a prayer if you have not submitted that prayer. We need to learn how to ask God for our needs. It's as simple as hell. those who take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus said, pray with a purpose. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. So it seems like when I'm, when I'm seeking, when I'm asking, when I'm asking, there is a purpose attached to it. There is a sense of urgency. But it also requires a level of patience. Knock and the door will be open to you. Uh, keep on knocking on that door until God opens it for you. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on it. He may not answer when we wanted to, but He's always right on time. I, I, I need you music pre right now. But prayer is also where we see covenant with God also. This is where God meets us in relationship. Jesus says, For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open." There's a covenant promise there that God will meet us in our commitment to prayer. So, number one, the disciple must walk with integrity Number two, the disciple must always depend on God. And last point here, and I'm going to get on out of your way. Th- it is the prerogative of the disciple to, number three, minimize harm to others. Amen. I like that. People,
1: how you desire to
0: This is the last sermon from this sermon on about. Uh, we should strive to treat others the way Jesus would. Yeah. But yet, imagine if you were on the receiving end of judgment, mm-hmm. condemnation, or or harsh treatment. Imagine if you were on the receiving end of that, and you probably have been on the receiving end of it. But, but Jesus drops this simple life principle, y'all, in verse twelve. He says, "So in everything, uh-huh. do to others what you would have them." do to you. Yeah, yeah. For this psalms of the law and the prophets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I watch a lot of Fred Sanford. I love Sanford and son. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's an
0: episode of Fred and Lamont or arguing or something going on and Fred kind of flips this thing. He says, do unto others before they do it to you. Before they do it to you. It to you. It to you. But Jesus says, do to others what you will have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophet. We know the law for, for all intents and purposes was for avoiding sin. But Jesus says, there's some action on our behalf. And this is what we call the golden rule. The golden rule that Jesus shares here is the kind of love God shows to us every day. When Jesus was home on that cross, Think about that love that God was showing you in that that moment right there. When you get up every morning, you thank God for His grace and mercy. You think about how God has forgiven your sins. And you think about how God continues to love you in spite of all of your mess. This is the kind of love that God shows us every day. and we We ought to extend that same love to everybody else. That's what I want shown to me. I want to be. I want to be treated right, so it would behoove me to treat others right. Now. It's a very simple principle because Jesus calls on us to consider the needs and feelings of other people. And we know everything now is influenced by social status. And so many people are doing whatever they can to get ahead, even at the expense of others. But Jesus makes it clear that even now, even in 2022. Discipleship cannot be void of love and care. It should be present in all disciples. This is significant, y'all. I love it because the Lord desires each of us to practice what He taught. God wants us to put these teachings into everyday practice. And then it also shows obedience. We have to be obedient to God. We cannot be, uh, discipleship cannot be separated from obedience to God. If we are to be what God desires us to be, we have to live by what He teaches us, by the way He teaches us to live. So when we live out this golden rule, do unto others as you have them do to you, when we live that out, we are showing the love of God to other people. I want to suggest to you this morning, you cannot please God if you are unwilling to love your neighbor. I'm done. I'm going to finish up right here. This is not a a hooping sermon today, but the text is clear. We must apply what Jesus is telling us in this text. Jesus has given us some higher standards, y'all, to live out a greater righteousness. Standard one, walk with integrity. And avoid judging others. With one eight stay away from hypocrisy. Standard number two, always depend on God. Beloved, never stop praying. Never go into prayer with an attitude anything less than expectation that God will answer your prayer. Jesus says, keep asking, keep on seeking. Keep knocking and God will respond. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and God will respond. The door will be open to you. But lastly, y'all, we have to minimize harm to others. We have to minimize harm. Matter of fact, let me change that. We have to eliminate harm. Eliminate harm to others. Let's not be mean disciples. Amen. Right. Let's, 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 be a, let's be disciples that people run to for the love of God. Let's be disciples that people enjoy being around. Let's be disciples that people enjoy worshiping God. With them. Let's be a church that loves on people. Amen. We should always extend love and compassion to those who need it. Very simple principles this morning. Why don't they just let me live? Come on, give God faith.
1: Those are the prerogatives, y'all. A moment of
0: power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.